You're listening to And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 174. Coming at you at the end of November, it's time for our monthly Asian American Entertainment News Review, um, otherwise known as Do We Want This, where uh, we'll be covering, I guess, the news of the month as well as the month that we missed in October um, due to our travel schedule field hiatus. Um, my name is Marvin Yue, and joining me as always is the once in future professional Asian-American Jess Jew, fresh Hello, from Marvin. her first week, returning to the world of professional Asian-Americanness. It, 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 is, it is a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the capitalist system really just makes it a lose-lose situation. You don't work, you don't got money, you're sad. You know, but you've also cultivated this very specific set of skills of being a professional Asian American that you yeah, should probably work use in a it. nonprofit and be like, <laughs> what's up? I can do everything for free, but I'm trying to, you know, have better boundaries so I don't burn out and I don't know, all this therapy shit. So we'll see. It's, it's, yeah. it's going well so far. <laughs> Happy for you. Welcome back to the fold. Um, also joining us, the <laughs> most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hey. Hey. <laughs> It's probably a busy time for you too, right, Han? It's um, it's award season, so it's award <laughs> season. It's also the um the return of writers and actors to the interview um game, and so we are now inundated with offers and things like that, and um, it's causing sort of a weird um, I guess glut of interviews especially for like our video team and so that means i'm constantly finding out that oh we have an interview with this person i was like well we just put in a request um two weeks ago so it would be nice if you had told us uh <laughs> and so it's just it's just one of those things it's like i don't begrudge them that it's just more of the because it's a oh my god we're getting this person say yes situation that like a lot of times there are a lot of cross streams <laughs> so um and I'm also planning, you know, end of year content um, and all that stuff. So it's kind of been super hectic uh, today. I also had to go to the vet for my cat. So like today I was working all the way up until like, you know, basically we had to set up and do this podcast. So <laughs> lots. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of Lots, Lots of, of stuff going on. I know. They um, said that this is the first year where Hollywood is not shut down. From Thanksgiving yeah. to Christmas because of the strike. Yeah. Usually it's very slow. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the opposite. It's kind of stressing me out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's the biggest piece of news that we missed um, during our hate is, which is the, um, the historic Hollywood double strike resolved. The WGA um, came to an agreement first and then SAG followed. Did they? I haven't been following as closely since they announced the deal, but has SAG accepted? There is a lot of discourse about how the contract and the, the AI stuff with the contract may not be great. So I haven't probably haven't been following as closely as like Han is because yeah, she's a working lady now. <laughs> uh, but I know not every, it doesn't seem that people are necessarily happy with the with the AI yeah. part. Yeah. It's it, it's it's still very sticky. Um but people are still pushing ahead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they just need to make the money. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the writers got everything they wanted, which 
makes it kind of sad that the actors didn't get the AI protections that they wanted. And I mean, this is the type of thing that we won't see the ramifications of until maybe a few years down the road. Until it's too late. Yeah. But I mean, we're already seeing Hollywood refusing to let actors die and using AI and CG whenever possible. So like... They're Tupacing everyone now. Yeah. (laughs) And when it comes to... Well, this is a singer, but... um, uh, they do have like for when it comes to I don't know if it, Jess probably knows Edith Piaf, you know the French singer. Um, they actually she's dead clearly, um, but uh, <laughs> yes, yes, important, important to know. Uh, uh, they actually have the permission of her estate to use AI to recreate, and so for I think it might be a biopic or something. But um, so yeah, it's kind of like well. You know, because that's what's going to sell in 2024. Well, and like, yeah, I was about to say, like, he's so hot they, right now. They can afford to do that, you know, with her. But I was just like, yeah, we don't want anyone like current or recently dead. Like, let's say Robin Williams. Um, I mean, remember how uh, gross out we were when they used AI Anthony Bourdain voice for Roadrunner? Oh, God. And yeah. I feel like so, now if you do that nowadays, everyone's like, cool technology. I, well, no, I mean, it depends. Uh because I think it also depends on the person. Mm. Um, because who we hold dear and Bourdain still remains one of those people. Um, it's also like if you know that that person would like would not, you know, there's some people who vibe. You're like, oh, absolutely yeah. not. Like like if they try to AI Terry Pritchard, who like very famously told his estate ex- executor to burn his incomplete hard drives. So no one could like scrounge around for an unfinished novel. Like, like, you know, you try to bring that back that person. You try to bring back like, I don't know, Edith Pilaf. I assume she wouldn't have been like that happy with it. I mean, it depends. Is she the type of like megalomaniac who wanted immortality or? I mean, she, it's also something that she wouldn't have been able to conceive of. That's the thing. It's like, so it it really depends. I don't know. Yeah. I don't no, think I know that much. Of it. I didn't. I also never watched the biopic they did of her <laughs> recently. Oh, is it with Marion Cotillard? La Vie en Rose. Uh, La Vie en Rose. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? I've always had kind of like a grudge against her because my mom made my brothers and I sing a, a Vietnamese version of La Vie en Rose <laughs> with lyrics that she wrote herself. When I was a kid. Wow, that goes that lore goes so deep. For my for one of my uh aunts and uncles, I think it was an anniversary. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, but nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants it. Yeah. I mean, I love my mom, but some of the t- things that she made us do are just weird. Well, congratulations to <sighs> Hollywood. Um, yes. I guess you win some, you lose some. Um, anyways, that's to say. What's popping? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, before we get to our news roundup, as always, let's find out what pop culture is taking us through this week. Uh, Jess, what's popping with you? So over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, I did a time-honored tradition of going to see the great American hero, Pitbull. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the trilogy tour while they were in Las Vegas, and the trilogy is comprised of Enrique Iglesias, Balamos, Mm-hmm. Ricky Martin living La Vida Loca and the Pitbull himself. It was a great time, y'all. Um, they don't come on together. They're all like co-headliners. <laughs> um, they really, I think they used to 
uh, randomize like the or change the order which they came out. And I think they pretty pretty quickly realized that like Enrique Iglesias has to go first because he gives nothing. Great songs, Filipino. He's a cousin, but yeah, he 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 is still rocking the like 2006 straight man look. Um, his his voice is like live. I think it's it's not quite there. He might have heard himself recently or heard his voice recently made us do a lot of crowd work singing um but he did have the best quote of the night in which uh a fan rushed up during a slow set and just like started hugging him no one knew what was going on we're all like that's not his wife this is very intimate and we did not realize until after the song he kind of managed to like get her off him he was like security what's up um, so we're like, oh, that's exciting. A little scary, but exciting. But really, we were there for the one, the only Mr. Pitbull. We <laughs> did go dressed up as Pitbull. I've never felt bald caps and everything. I've never felt more famous. A drunk woman in line bought our drinks for us because she was like, <laughs> Pitbull can't pay for his own drinks. And we're like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> we really did try to insist because she seemed pretty out of it. But she was like, no, I have. I'm like, okay. Um, and it was a really great time. The thing about Pitbull is he brings the utmost sincerity to the dumbest, crasses songs, but like I truly believe he means it. And between each set, you know, sandwiched between the song about shaking your ass and the song about him like coming on you, he like goes into like the most sincere, like philosophical like sermon about like the gift of life and like the beauty of having folks to help you and like to pay it forward and then yeah he like starts singing about like egg whites which are not egg whites and that dichotomy i think really encapsulates the modern experience and i had a great time hit after hit all hits top to bottom would recommend go see the trilogy tour maybe go later so you 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 don't have to if you're not into the first two, Ricky Martin was actually great. I just like not that familiar with his songs. Um, he's looking great, you know, beautiful, proudly out now, gay man. Um, he ends with the 1998 World Cup song. I don't know if you remember this, the Cup of Life. Yes, the one that's like, go, 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 ale, yeah. ale, ale. Here we go. I was like, oh, I remember this song. This was like everywhere, like the summer of 1998. I remember like very early memories, like very young child watching it. And then so I turned to my sister-in-law, who again is like 25. And she's like, I don't know this song. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know the song? It was everywhere. And we're like, wait, World Cup. Oh, my God. You weren't born when that World Cup was around. Yeah, that was humbling. (laughs) But had a great time. Would recommend. And you know what the best part is about your Pitbull costume is very little work to turn it into a Dom costume for Halloween. I don't know if I could do the ball cap again. It was like the (laughs) cheap one. It smelled disgusting. It was like bad latex. It wasn't like Raymond can do it. (laughs) Raymond, Raymond, like really good. We're like, oh, you just look like Pitbull, Um, you know, just just give him a Corona. He He didn't uh, have to draw the fake hair on. He was like already in, you know, he already has that like beard. Mm -hmm. But oh my God, like, I don't know what, like latex, you know how typically latex is sticky if you don't dust Mm -hmm. it, like it'll stick to other things. Mm -hmm. So whatever they used to dust it, it smelled like 
powdered sugar mm. and it smelled so like sickeningly sweet and i'm like i and so it smells like latex like hospital latex and then powder and then a beignet all at once i'm like this is disgusting i hate this and it's so sweaty i don't need to do that again thank you <laughs> next time i'll just shave my head oh that works too just commit <laughs> commit to the bit mm-hmm. <sighs> all right um han what's popping with you so, uh, yes, as we mentioned before, that it is award season. And so that means that um, although I do get invited to many screenings and sometimes I even receive screeners, um, occasionally I just go to the, the theater myself and just watch it. Um, so uh, first, I will just say I did go see Saltburn in theaters and then promptly the next day I received screeners at home. And I was like, <laughs> damn it. Um, that movie is all right. Third act. Mm. Anyway, um, so I'm actually going to discuss uh, Boy and the Heron, which uh, the boy and the Heron, uh, which is the long awaited uh, latest Miyazaki film. Um, I believe he started writing it way before the pandemic and he started, you know, the animation started around the beginning of the pandemic and it just had a lot of setbacks. It's I think it's technically the one of the most expensive Japanese films ever done. Um, so there's a lot of sort of expectation history that was like comes with this and um i will say i went to the theater and all of a sudden i was like why is this dubbed oh you got the dub i did not even bother to check because i assumed because this is the same theater i saw suzume in and that was you know subtitled that i was just like and so the first like scene i was actually very confused because i was like i don't understand them because they're speaking in english (laughs) and they also just had weird voices um so that was a slight disappointment so i also hope that doesn't in any way color the way i had seen it because um while there are many many good things about it covers a lot of the same sort of like some deep themes um basically it's about this young kid named uh mahito and uh, I think the Pacific War in Japan, so like 1940s, late 1940s, um, his mom dies in a fire. Um, I mean, 1940s really is World War II or late, 19, late 1940s. Yeah. Isn't that like the American invasion of Japan? By the way, it sounds like a cow bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Once we invade, do we really leave? No. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, there we don't see Americans, so like that's kind of like irrelevant. Basically, his mom dies Ooh, <laughs> in a fire, okay. so we don't really see much of it. So, he, but it starts off with death, and then there's a lot of like war stuff, and he has a helmet and stuff like that. Anyway, so he and his dad move um, to like a little place in the country, and his dad marries someone who looks just like his mom, and it's basically his mom's younger sister. Very oh. weird. And then, like, he somehow gets. Um, harassed by this Kieran who keeps you know telling him to do stuff and he like hits himself on the head and then somehow he ends up in an alternate world and then there are a lot of different birds giant birds um, attacking birds there's just it's you know it's the usual Miyazaki in that like there's this fantastical world that certain things don't make sense but it follows its own rules they're sometimes filled with like grotesques so you know like how like there's the woman with the big head in uh, 
spirited away. Uh, so there is a, a a character who's kind of odd where you're like, I don't know if you're evil or if I don't know if you're, we're going to be friends. Um, there are some really great characters uh, that I just so many things I don't want to give away, but also it would be incoherent even if I told you what they were. Um, because <laughs> Miyazaki, baby. Yeah, because the one thing I like kind of criticism I would give is that I don't know if the narrative is cohesive enough. Um, there were and there were pacing problems for me. So like the beginning was very slow for me. Um, I did, did think it picked up once they went to the fantasy world, but then I was still very left unmoored and kind of like at the end, I was like, am I tired or is this just way too deep for me? (laughs) (laughs) So usually you can get something and, you know, there are a few sort of vague notions I had, but afterwards I was like, I think they layered on too many things. And I know this is, was inspired by Miyazaki's own, you know, life. So maybe he included so many things that maybe made sense to him or even to the Japanese, perhaps, that I'm missing the context. Um, So I would love to see this with yeah Japanese maybe it would have made more sense if it was subbed right right <laughs> because context. because uh, because also i think voice acting is a huge part of it because i was very bothered by the language not even just the performance because the performances were fine but you know the language on this um that they were saying just didn't sound right like it, it the word choices were odd maybe because they wanted to match the mouth movements or use like um uh American colloquialisms or whatever, or English ones. And so I was just like not feeling some of the dialogue. So I think there's definitely some stuff lost in translation. Yeah, um, which is a bummer because Ghibli yeah. movies tend to have more care given to the dub. I mean, I remember the Spirit Away dub was pretty passable when I watched yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, and I think that also might be one of the reasons why I kind of want to say that I think there's some storytelling th- issues too. Um, Some other positives I will say, you know, obviously – so many gorgeously and fantastical things that were just like, I would love to live in that moment. Um, my favorite, and I've mentioned him before, or at least one of my favorite Japanese artists, uh, Kenshi Yonazu, he does the um, the uh, ending theme song for this. He's also done the ending theme song for the most recent Final Fantasy game. <laughs> he's He's been doing songs for like every big movie because he's basically the dude, but he also does like very epic type song so it's a great fit um so that like despite the fact i didn't get actual credits because they just gave me the english cost um on a, like a weird screen like still screen i was like well at least we got this song <laughs> so. yeah i mean miyazaki's ghibli films are essentially art films right they're indie mm-hmm. art films yeah. which with all the trappings of an indie art film so you know your mileage may vary but at least you get a very pretty film and i'm looking at the synopsis and it is 1943 so it is during the oh, pacific okay. war um yeah. so before americans invade but still while japan yeah. was invading other people Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I feel like they kind of hid a little bit of what, like, the outside world knows about it because we didn't want to, like, point fingers at anyone here because it's mainly about this boy. But there is, there are themes about, you know, intention and who still nevertheless does harm. So, you know, there there were certain things that I felt like I at least picked that up. Um, And, of course, that because this is a boy, I was like, oh... Or a kid, like, getting put through this. So there's a lot of, like, feelings of helplessness, too. So, you know, I got 
when I got out of it, I was just like, okay, I think I enjoyed parts of it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but I also do think that, you know, I was also very like, felt sleepy. So um, during it, um, <laughs> not because of the storytelling, but because I had eaten something right before. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's a tougher film than usual. I think it's not going to be like, you know, even Susan May was, I think, very easy to follow. Um, but uh, this one is just, yeah, you got to get ready for some giant parakeets, um, <laughs> you know, wielding some axes and stuff. Uh, it's just, that sounds yeah. like a good time. Yeah, I, you know what? I loved all the bird stuff. <laughs> it, was like, it, it was very, very bird heavy in this movie. Um, just not just the heron, <laughs> um, and there are also pelicans. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So, I if you are a Ghibli fan, then definitely go see it. You know, tell me I'm wrong. You know, but uh, yeah, you'll you'll probably appreciate parts of it. <laughs> Anyway, so that's me. Uh, Marvin, how about you? What's popping? Um, speaking of people who do harm to each other, um, <laughs> during this, um, during the past few months, um, as I mentioned, I traveled to um, Europe and also to Toronto for a week. And during that time, I was able to finally finish watching Succession. I finished all of season four um, while on my various flights. And man, I feel like that... I know I've read a lot of discourse where people were upset about the ending, but I felt like it ended pretty well. It was spot on, right? The like, right person won, which is also not how you should watch this show. Like people were like no. actually rooting for these terrible people to win. And it's like, no, well, no one really wins. This yeah, isn't no, a show that, where anyone wins. Like, yeah. I feel like you're a little biased, Marvin, because I do feel like you're like Tom Coded in certain ways. <laughs> um, and, and so, of course, you're happy with the result. Jess would also be happy because she is also into uh, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> he is not Mr. Darcy. I know he's Mr. Darcy, but there is there were shades of Darcy one. in season four, though, when he was I like mean, becoming a devotion. Chad, kind of. You know, they are saying how like oh, like we do love pathetic men, like that. That's that Look, is now like a, it, it, a an internet meme type. It should have been either him or cousin Greg. Sorry if we're no cousin anyone. Oh yeah! <laughs> Spoiler alert for Succession. If you haven't yeah. already seen it, it just like ended a year ago. Yeah. that's fair game. I'm sorry. I hated Greg with a, the heat of a thousand suns, and he never. Sh- I don't think he ever was in the running to win. In his mind, he thought he was going to win, but that man is so like I incompetent. Mean, and I just feel like competent competence is not the point in this tv show or or worthiness or anything <laughs> or on um, life or business yeah. success i think the whole know? yeah i think the whole point was that the kids had to be the losers because of the way they were raised into the you know by this person yeah and so, in the end yeah. it was all up to young Skarsgård, which alex Skarsgård mm-hmm. in this role was the first time i seen so much close-ups on his face and i was like i can see the family resemblance oh yeah yeah so yeah, I I enjoyed that. I mean, look, I think Jerry could have won. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish him. one of the other side. Actually, if anyone's gonna win, it's gotta be like the sniveling yes man, right? Because yeah, he's the yeah. most harmless of the crew. He'll do whatever you say. Um, I did my favorite part in the final episode is the line, "I'm the eldest son." <laughs> oh, I'm the eldest son, <laughs> which totally yeah. encapsulate. Mm-hmm. Kendall's entire character played by Jeremy Strong which like mm-hmm. I was watching um, The Big Short 
And mm-hmm. I had like cognitive dissonance yes. of like the strong character that Jeremy Strong played there compared to like Kendall mm-hmm. this entire series as like Kendall, the saddest boy. Kendall, the saddest boy who will always live in, in infamy for doing um, the rap for his, <laughs> his dad. Oh, to the OG. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter who wins. The show, like, I feel like even if you know who wins, like, seeing the journey is really, like, yeah, as, because as the terrible point it is, is to, like, w- yeah. as, like, horrifying as it was to watch a show about just the the um, consequences of unbridled capitalism and the failed children it creates, um, this show was just, like, a master class of just good acting, right? Yeah, no, it was, this is the thing when it comes to when we talk about the HBO prestige show, and that's why I'm pissed at things like House of the Dragon. <laughs> and the Gilded Age. Oh, and the Gilded back. Age, which I guess I need to check that out. I don't know. But it's like they feel like they can give us maybe some like costuming and stuff like that and some like maybe big power moves, but without the actual really good writing and dialogue or whatever it is, then like it's just using the time slot and people's sort of associations with HBO on certain nights to get um, viewership. And it works, you know, Um, I've been the biggest critic of Game of Thrones, especially in the later seasons. Um, But House of the Dragon is still worse, (laughs) (laughs) but it's easier to watch. So that's the other thing. It's like, I get why people watch it. Kind of like how I was saying, like, I get why people watch Squid Game, the challenge. Um, (laughs) It's easy to watch. It is compulsively easy to watch, to judge, and to fold laundry to. So that is why I've been watching it. Also, it's the number one show on Netflix, and it's creating the discourse that brought Squid Game back into the Netflix top 10. So it is part of my job to know what's going on with the show. Um, But yeah, Yeah. so yeah, uh, Succession. Glad you finished it, and we're satisfied. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for Do We Want This? Stick around. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Ramen. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Ramen Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luniang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that. But you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, 
Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Once again, it's time for Do We Want This? Um, Good Pop's monthly entertainment news roundup, where we go around and highlight the latest Asian American related entertainment news and ask ourselves. If we want this, um, I guess we can start off with a trailer roundup. Um, we've had a couple pretty significant trailers for upcoming 2024 shows. First of all, is the live action Avatar The Last Airbender, which Netflix dropped its teaser trailer for during their Tadum, or not Tadum, Geek Week, right? Mm-hmm. Jess, I'm very curious as someone who did, in fact, watch the original series. Do you want this? You know? I really do. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. And I will say this until the counts come home. The original Airbender, the last air the last Airbender series, the animation series, as well written as it was, as like beloved as it is, did not have the creative input of Asian peoples for the most part. They had a, like some key cast, Dante Bosco and um Mako, very famously were uh were some of the voice characters, but if you're looking at the track record of not just Avatar but also Kara, Akora, uh, the 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 next series, which they should have known better by then, um, you know, this is a property ba- deeply based in the history, cultures, cultural practices of like East Asian and Indigenous folks, and. It is basically helmed, written, directed by a bunch of white men for the most part. Um, animation direction is a little different when it comes to series. Like the director doesn't quite have as much say, but but like the two guys, whatever their name is, Brian, whatever, and <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I was like, fuck that. You should know better. So this is gonna, this this show actually has you know Asian folks behind and in front of the camera. They have a. Asian, pretty diverse writers room. They are bringing in more indigenous folks to play the characters. I would like to see more indigenous representation in the writing room. Um, but it looks pretty. I'm, I'm very hopeful, optimistic. You know, friend friend of ours, Roseanne, is helming some of the episodes. She has a great action record. She's a woman. That's great. And you know, I think Katara is very important. And I I like actually how they skew accurately young because if you like the show the original character like Aang is 12 when he's unfrozen and they're like 14 and that's kind of the like that's kind of the point of the story and the you know the 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 disposition what's the word dis not disposition the dissonance the do like just the comparison of like how young these kids are who are trying to like topple an empire (laughs) Um, you know, like, it, it, and how they still act like kids, which is why they don't always make the best decisions. And they have to learn this coming of age story, I think is very, it's it's so much more effective when you have real actors 
because you look at this like 12 year old or like I think Dallas is 18, but he plays Zuko, Dallas Lou. But, you know, he they all look so young. And so it all looks pretty good to me. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, I do wonder how they're going to like course out the story because I don't think they can do a one for one. That's too many episodes. And I I'm also very on record for like, I don't think you should do a one for one remake. You should adapt. Right. I want to ask, is there anything you want them to um, maybe change for live action? Can you make Katara and Aang not end up together? Because that's (laughs) fucking weird still. And um, Zuko and Katara right there. I'm sorry. Katara gang forever. Their chemistry is on fire. So much better than like, like, would you? It's giving like it's giving a little bit of like episode one. Star Wars episode one with like, oh, like you're like 16 and Obi-Wan Kenobi's right there. Like you're going to fall in love with this baby, this little <laughs> baby. That's weird. Let's be real. That's weird. And he's like a shitty dad. So, yeah. Um, so we had another um, trailer come in of another hotly anticipated Asian American show, The Brother's Son, which is also on Netflix, I believe, um, yes. released its teaser trailer. Um, Han, as the resident <laughs> martial arts aficionado, do you want this? Just from the trailer, yes, because the martial arts looks great, but they also just know what we want, which is Michelle Yeoh doing another sort of multi-faceted uh, role. Um, they uh, they basically play off you know, her Front and center, mama knows best or whatever it is. Um, she doesn't just do martial arts. She does other things. I think you can clearly see that this is also a comedy. So dark action comedy, all for that. Honestly, even if there were no other famous people in it, I'd be like, it looks good. Uh, but it's just people who know what to do with Michelle Yeoh. Um and I actually have screeners waiting for me, so I need to watch it. Oh. Um, I feel like, yes. as also Marvin, as a Taiwanese-American mm. man from the 626, whose family may or may <laughs> not be in some shady business, do you want this? <laughs> I'm pretty sure my family aren't gangsters, but I do. Are you sure about that? <laughs> or so you say. Are you sure? <laughs> One thing I think people should know is all Chinese families... Are we are all gangsters, hustlers, thieves, degenerates. We didn't make it through the cultural revolution and communism by being good people. Like that's all yeah. I have to say. We are we are all a little little shady. A little I compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Um I do. Um I'm really excited because I know that they shot on location in the Sangerbo Valley. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing. I think they shot at Fossilman's. They shot at like one of the local dim sum joints. The apartment block. I'm pretty sure I saw the trailer set up for like um, on, you know, the intersection of Garfield and Garvey at that like empty lot that's been sitting like vacant for like 30, 40 years. Yeah. And I'm excited because I've been waiting for like a and I don't know how expanse of the criminal enterprise of Michelle Yeoh's mama character runs. But like, I feel like small time crime family in the suburbs is a very like untapped Asian American story for better or worse. I mean, it's, it's where it all started, right? Better like tomorrow and, and light like crimes that escalate. Um, And it does look, even from just like a production design, it looks 
It looked pretty authentic. Yeah. Like, like I haven't read the scripts. I haven't. I don't know what it's about. But if I get like the Quenzian San Gabriel Valley crime story of my dreams, I'd be very happy with Kung Fu too. Yes, I just, ho- I just like, please don't come here. Like nobody come visit. We don't, we don't want it. <laughs> there gatekeep, are, there gatekeep are, that shit. They're already here. I don't know if you've <sighs> noticed. I want to buy a house. Thank the Fum Brothers. Oh, they're not even from here. They're from mm. fucking Seattle. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah um we have one last um trailer that i don't know if it's anticipated but did catch my Mm. eye so fx has a new series called shogun which is based on a book by a white dude named oh is um, this the the press release where they're like his wife who is japanese is like the (laughs) co-producer i guess this is this is the show this is the show and the, the book originally already had a miniseries, TV miniseries based on it from the 80s, called also called Shogun. Um, yes. This version... Which I saw <laughs> when I was a kid. So the twist in this version is instead of focusing on the English sailor character, who was the POV character of the original book, this one focuses much more on the Japanese characters. Um, chief of which is the warlord played by... Um, Hiroyuki Sonata? Yeah, played in this version by Hiroyuki Sonata. Uh, but it's essentially about a alternate version of the um, rise of the Tokugawa shogunate. Um, and the English sailor who they capture and essentially becomes one of them. Mm, and I don't know if I need this. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if I told you that the English sailor is played by um, Cosmo Jarvis? <laughs> that's not how no that's not that's not what's gonna get me to tune if you told me it's like ben barnes maybe but yeah um <laughs> not not my cup of tea so do do we want do, do we want this mm, i'm gonna say no for me dog <laughs> so you know i think the biggest problem is it doesn't matter if you get a creator whose husband was actually the creator and then you brought her on but um <laughs> or even you know, how many Asians you brought on um, or or any of that stuff. I just remember the initial announcement for this. You had to like scroll down and you're like, where's any Asian name in this production list? Um, and I was like, I'm sure there will be Asian actors. And then they're like, we shot a lot in Japan and we had a lot of J- Japanese production crew there. And I was like, because it felt like every single step of the way they had to like start adding and and pushing up front like no we got the japanese you know green and but i think the other the problem is why are we doing shogun like why in the world are we still relying on this white man's tail that i don't care if you want to flip it on its you know head why don't we just get something written by an asian or an asian american but like yeah, asian you're, specifically you're also, you're also acting like people are acting not you Han, but like you know yeah. they're acting as if like japan does not have one of the longest and richest like historical record archive of like fiction work like the novel was first written in japan yeah. like the novel um and like y- you couldn't like if you're gonna be a white man and you like you know you can't get the otaku gene out like can we at least find a source material that doesn't start with like a western white man's like fantasy about japan yeah, and see, here's the thing. I totally understand all the reasons for using a known name property, but you could still probably find a Japanese person who wants to write about something and have the word Shogun in it, <laughs> you know? So, uh, or even respond 
to the original novel Shogun and do something. So whatever it is, there's just better ways of doing it that would have felt less cringe. Um, yeah, look, I don't think we need uh, another story about a white man who finds who travels to an exotic place and finds he's he fits in more here than he does at home. Yeah. So look, because it's my job, I'll probably have to check it out. But I'm how, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. But how long will I? Because the other thing is, I don't want to also like, you know, say sorry to all these actors who probably are great. Um, but yeah, I might not watch the whole thing. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. And this is the other thing. This is from FX, you know, a network studio that also like usually I trust. And I just remember every step of the way, I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing, people? <laughs> and so and then the publicists were all trying to reassure me like these are Asian publicists, too. And I was just like, you want to send me to Japan so I can see this set? Because <laughs> like, I'll go and you can prove me wrong. But at the same time, I was just like, I, I look, if you want to make me a believer, then, you know, I will watch the first episode or, or two and just to give it a chance because I'm not going to look. I made myself watch Iron Fist just to prove. That I watched it. You know? <laughs> be like, it's bad. It's it bad. is confirmed yeah. that it's bad. Um, so you know, it's, it's I could I could have told you in the like the little gift clip where he's like flopping around like a wet noodle. I was like, well, this man does not know how to move. It's not even that. It's just like how bad it was. Like people didn't even tell me all the things that were bad about it. It was hard um, to en- encapsulate the vastness of badness. Yeah, the, it, it is a multifaceted bad. Um, but so this, <sighs> I mean, at the very least, I, I, much yeah. like Blue Eye Samurai, hopefully it does have dope fights. Right, right, right. Like I will, I I can compartmentalize that much at least. So we shall see. It might just be a lot of like ceremony, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. <sighs> All right. Moving on. Um, Han, I'm very interested in this very next story. Oh, speaking of martial arts, um, so the big news came out recently, um, reported originally by The Hollywood Reporter, that Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio are going to be doing another Karate Kid movie. Um, so here are some of the details that you might need to know. Uh, plot, non-existent right now. Uh, <laughs> or at least they don't want to tell us. I assume a kid learns karate. Well, but yes. But do they will... learn karate? Is That's the question. They might also learn how to paint a fence. Um, so, but some of the things you might need to know before you make a, uh, decision on this and you still might be, um, so the director, oddly enough, is Jonathan Entwistle, who did End of the Fucking World, which is a weird, but dark Netflix British comedy about a kid who might be a psychopath. Um, I enjoyed this show, but also what a weird pairing. Like, why is, why is this match? Um, the script is by Rob Lieber. He is not known for a lot, but he did write Peter Rabbit. Um, oh, yeah, which oh, I enjoyed. Okay. Which I enjoyed. A weird film, you know. Um, that's the one that had Donald uh, Gleason. Donald Gleason. Dom Hog Gleason. But I think it's Donald. Um, Donald. Oh, he's he's Irish. <laughs> yeah, the redhead um, yeah. from uh, a hot redhead from About Time slash Hux. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then of course a lot of you know animals. Um, so I remember see- thinking that was cute. Um, and I didn't even see who Karen Roosevelt producer did. I just, those were the only two I knew. Um, but we do know that they are seeking a kid to teach karate um, because they also uh, set a worldwide open call 
search for this. They made a video. They made a video, which I did not watch, but I did like read the ad, which I think is uh, has been on all of our social medias, right? Because it's been shared on all the Asian um, mm-hmm. channels. So there, uh, here's a description. We are looking for the next Karate Kid, Lee Fong. Um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Looking for an actor to portray Chinese or mixed race Chinese between 15 and 17 years old. He speaks fluent English, conversational Mandarin as a strong plus. He's smart, scrappy, and a skilled martial artist. Any sort of martial arts, movement, gymnastics, and or dance experience is a strong plus. Acting experience is preferred, but not required. Must be available next year, March through June, if it sounds blah, 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 blah. And then they have the um, contact information. Um, so supposedly one day after that went out, I think there were, was it 10,000 submissions? Oh my goodness. Um, from around the world, including, let me get that information. Uh, okay. Uh, so from around the world, including, you know, U.S., Canada, U.K., India, Australia, Singapore, Finland, Sweden, and South Africa. Uh, interesting. Where are all the Asian countries? <laughs> but anyway, um, so do we want this? Yes. I don't. I mean, no. Yeah. I I don't have a like us. I don't have like a nostalgic or like any like emotional connection to Karate Kid. Um, I think it's interesting that they're like basically trying to trying it another reboot because the last one with Jaden Smith didn't work. But yeah. this is a sequel um, of that reboot, though, because Jackie Chan is still the master the character. Same but character. he's a different kid. Yeah. He's like, I got rid of that kid. We need a I new want Karate Chinese Kid. Kids. I'm wondering. My... I'm not going to lie. I grew up watching only Karate Kid 3, which is Mr. Miyagi <laughs> and Hillary Swing. So it's fine. It's a fine move. Okay. If you do it right, no one will know. No, Karate Kid 3 was still Ralph Macchio. You're thinking of the next Karate Kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Or was that... was. No. I'm getting that and sidekicks messed up. Sidekicks is the Chuck Norris still, one, right? It was still definitely Mr. Miyagi, but yeah. it was Hillary Swank. Yeah. I think that was the next Karate Kid. Karate Kid 3 was yeah. the one where... It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. You know, if that's all you know, it's fine. And, you know, how many <clears throat> kids today are, like, familiar with OG Ralph Macchio Karate Kid? I mean, with Cobra Kai, which is the mm-hmm. actual successor of the Karate Kid, like, legacy, mm-hmm. I feel like... They do. And this does feel like a cynical, like... Cash grab? Cash grab for that IP. My issue is the fact that it's still called the Karate Kid when they've obviously... Never done karate. ...moved on to Kung Fu. Yeah. Look, I'm mixed on this because I did grow up watching the Karate Kid movies. And at the time, you got what you got and you really enjoyed it, right? It's a perfectly Um, fine underdog sports movie. Yeah. And... And... Even as a kid, I was like, Ralph Macchio can't do karate. Um, but <laughs> but it was fine because he was cute at the time. He was considered cute at the time. I was just like, Johnny was evil, you know, all this stuff. But um, of course now, especially after how many seasons of Cobra Kai, which I have progressively stopped watching, <laughs> like, like less and less episodes each season as it wears on because it is written so poorly. But also the martial arts is not great. Um, so like that whole thing pisses me off. The one thing I will say, even though I did see the Jaden Smith Karate Kid and it was kind of like, eh, I don't really feel it one way or another, but I didn't hate it. Um, is at least 
this movie doesn't have the writers from Cobra Kai. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I feel bad about because they wrote the original movie that I probably enjoyed. But you know what? It's because that was set in the 80s and their sent- their like sensibility is still very 80s. Like if you watch Cobra Kai, like it definitely hasn't progressed. So I don't know if Peter Rabbit writer can do better. I don't know if a guy who does a British psychopath team show can do better. Maybe it'll be weirdly funny and dark. Um, it is a lot of white dudes, you know, creating this story. Uh, so I worry a little bit about what Jackie Chan is going to be saying, you know, in his role as Mr. Han. Um, so that is one sort of fear I have. But if they do get this kid who could be in the next big thing, um, and maybe before it gets written, written, they'll bring on some other Asian people in the on the back end that maybe I will be more open to it. But yeah, for right now, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, this is just an initial thing and maybe they will start improving. So I'm, I'm just be real with you. I do not know how concerned with the authenticity <laughs> Karate Kid will it, be. It doesn't matter. I, I just think I just need to know more. And yeah. so right now, I'm, I don't think I've made a decision one way or another. No. I mean, for me, it's a non-starter because of the fact that they still call it the Karate Kid, even though <laughs> I don't think there's any going to be any karate in this movie. Maybe in the dialogue, they will even say it. Like, why am I? Are you calling me the Karate Kid? <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, my expectations aren't necessarily super high for it. Mm. As long, Hopefully, it's better than Cobra Kai. And I know people love Cobra Kai. That um, should be the uh, tagline, the marketing tagline, not written by the du- dudes who write Cobra yeah. Kai. First season of Cobra Kai, I was fine with. Second, I was like, I give it a pass. But after that, I was like, no, <laughs> can't do it. <sighs> All right. I guess we'll see. Um, Jess, hit me with the next story. Oh, speaking of cursed energy, uh, Matthew Morrison <laughs> of Glee. Fame the rapper? And- the rapper? Oh, <laughs> please. Please, ma'am. I have a family. <laughs> Matthew, yes, Mr. Shu, uh, Matthew Morrison, and Kara Wong, uh, to top line mm. dramatic thriller dramatic. from Embers. Um, it is a dramatic thriller from writer director Kate Bohan. Uh, it stars some other folks that I don't think have a big name recognition, but it is about the life of a single mother, Lily, played by. Why are all Asian girls named Lily? Lily. Sorry, that's mm-hmm. also another thing. Lily or May. We have other mm-hmm. names. Jenny's a more Asian name. Come Grace. On. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Grace, Jenny, Kelly, Michelle even will take those. Yeah. Uh, falls a single mother as she grapples with the sudden loss of her husband, Ron, <clears throat> while caring for their nine-year-old autistic son, Kevin, and forming a bond with their new alcoholic neighbor, Marty Baker, played by Morrison, a painter with a passion for music who works hard to create a future for his 13-year-old daughter. Do we want this? I just the storyline is not something I'm interested in. Sorry, there's a lot of keywords that are a little concerning. This it sounds like someone plugged in. Yeah, like what? Like like dramatic, award winning movie indie, and like that's what generated. Okay, I think Kara is one of the most talented actors like i've seen i think she's always been underutilized i i don't know she can knock it out of this but y'all that is a <laughs> that is a terrible log line like that is it's that horrible is going, 
That is going full, full, you know? Like, not a PC reference from, um, yeah. from Tropic Thunder, but they went, they went for it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of elements. We got, we got Widow, autistic. He's a alcoholic pa- neighbor, single dad, painter with a passion with for a music. Passion for music and rapping. Um, <laughs> you think they're? Oh my god! Do you think they're gonna make him sing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. You have Matthew Morrison who has a passion for music. No. Okay. So also after Glee, Ugh. the only thing I know Matthew Morrison from is from when he played the abusive ex-husband of one of the characters in Grey's Anatomy. So like to in my head, he's just like. An evil presence, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I compiled a list of news for us to to go through every every month, and I'm I'm usually loath to. I usually try to avoid like putting up like putting up too many of these like indie movie announcements because like mm-hmm. they're already operating from like a position of Definitely like it. like diminished power. But sometimes um, it's just this Ugh. feels like. It says it's a thriller, but it feels like a Hallmark movie setup a little. It feels like a weepy movie, right? Like a, a, a four handkerchief tragedy sort of thing. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not into it. <laughs> it's just, it's just so much. Like, can we drama? Can we at least remove one element? Like, like the, the, does the son have to be autistic too? Yeah, like, does I don't the know. does yeah. he have to be? A painter with a passion for music? Does he have to be an alcoholic? You have to justify his inevitable singing scene, right? (laughs) He's an alcoholic, so he sings? I mean, on the plus side, Kei Bohan, the writer director, is a Chinese woman. So Mm -hmm. at least we got some, you know, Mm. representation behind and in front of the camera. Like I wish her well. I hope it works out. I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, and good for her for landing. You know, like Matthew Morrison's a known name, maybe maybe to us, and you know, getting a movie made. Um, you know, I, she she found Kara, and I think that's bodes well. Like she yeah. she knows what's good when it's in front of we'll her. We'll be eating our words come next Oscar season when from Embers really is so. up for if, Best Picture. If a movie about a widowed single mom to an autistic son who forms a relationship with her alcoholic neighbor, single dad who has a passion for music but is a painter, I, I would <laughs> love that. You know, and I will say... Maybe there's a really great story there that even though all those things are true, maybe it's not something that you need to emphasize in this logline. Um, and and I feel like sometimes it's at the mercy of whoever, whichever PR flack decided to put this together because it could just be about like, you know, a woman overcoming, you know, blah, 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 and then like finding something, which again, cliched sort of story, but maybe we we didn't need all the details you know <laughs> for it to pile on but so you know sometimes pr flax do that yeah. and i've definitely read great uh press releases and other ones where i was like why did they do that <laughs> you know so yeah. yeah all right i'll take the next story which is um i think it's an older story it's out from october 17th and it does dovetail a little bit with han your experience um uh, from what's popping but and i um, can weigh in <laughs> yeah, the boy and the heron. Um, back in the October, they announced the English voice cast that Han apparently watched, and in- it includes Christian Bale, Florence Pugh, Robert Pattinson, 
Mark Hamill, Gemma Chan, Dave Bautista, um, and Karen Fukuhara. So not entirely one-sided, but these are the voices of this very Japanese animated film from Studio Ghibli. Um, so do we want this? Han, did you want this? Well, I didn't want it because I always prefer the um, the subtitled version with the original you know, language and voices, voice actors for that. So I never prefer that. However, I do not um, begrudge the fact that these big Ghibli films always have an English dub because um, I think they've done great a great job in the past. I think it does make it maybe more accessible for some people. Also, there is an accessibility thing sometimes when, when people can't read as fast or keep up. You know, there's things like that. So like hearing it does mean that allows certain people to watch it without, you know, um, who might not be able to. Um so I will say that um, despite being kind of weirded out <laughs> by the subtitles, not the subtitles, by the dubbing, um, some people did a really good job because, you know, Ghibli characters are sometimes really weird. Um, and I have to say Robert Pattinson as the heron totally did an interesting character take. <laughs> Um, because I remember looking at the, uh, the credits at the end just to see who it was. And I was like, Robert Pattinson. (laughs) As he often does. I feel like he loves playing weirdos. Yeah, but I didn't realize it. Um, I will, you know, obviously, um, Mark Hamill always does a great job for any voice. It doesn't matter what he's doing. I think Florence Pugh did a great job with this, uh, character, Kiriko. A lot of these people, I could not have known or named the fact that, Dan Stevens from, you know, um, Downton Abbey was a parakeet. No, sorry. Um, great job. I will say Christian Bale, he plays uh, the father. I remember watching this film and just being like, that's an interesting... What is that accent? <laughs> so like, did he use his real voice? He... No, he wasn't Welsh. He was Southern? I don't know. There are a few moments where I was just like, <laughs> What was that line reading? I could not get it. And so now that I found out it was Christian Bale, I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, I'm not saying any of one was actually bad, but I do think that sometimes my um, expectations are, are different, though. Yeah. I mean, my take <laughs> on this is, this is 2023, and I know Ghibli films are like the the prestige of like the animated mm-hmm. world. So like a lot of people want to be in them. But I mm. would have preferred... An Asian cast, I feel like we're at the point where like that should be. Yeah, the... we only got two, I think. Gemma Chan and then Fukuhara. And Dave Bautista, I guess, kind oh, of Dave counts. Bautista, he was right. the parakeet king, who... which I could not have mentioned hit the voice on that at all. Like, <laughs> none of the parakeets I remember talking. I'm sure they did, but <laughs> they, 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 they were probably making animal sounds. No, the, I, I I do remember a little bit of dialogue, but again, it was like, eh. yeah. The, so, yeah. I mean, star power and Ghibli go hand in hand. I just, mm-hmm. for me personally, I wish that they went a more, I mean, it wouldn't have never been authentic because it is dubbing American voices or English voices onto uh, a Japanese film. But yeah. it would have been nice to have these have like a little layer of like representation yeah. in there, right? Yeah. Or at least in the very lead roles. Um, yeah. Because I obviously, you know... They want a few big white names sometimes. <laughs> they can be <laughs> to the draw in other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, and the birds. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of like, eh, but you know, I almost never look at the English cast for any of these movies because I they never make an impression because I'm never going to watch that version, right? Yeah. So I kind of usually don't care. The fact <laughs> that I stumbled upon this, I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> you know, was well, just my deal. Like, eh. Yeah. So it. I don't really care. I guess it would be nice if they were Asian or Asian American or Asian diaspora, but eh. yeah. they they never are completely, I don't believe. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jess, what's our next story? Slightly less bummer news. <laughs> um, Searchlight teams with Searchlight, which used to be Fox Searchlight since being bought by Disney, just Searchlight, teams with beef director Hikari for a comedy drama rental family. Um, so, she also co-wrote the script with Stephen Blahout. And um, it is about a down-and-out actor living in Tokyo who was hired as a token American guy for a Japanese rental family company, leading him of an unexpected journey of self-discovery through the roles he plays in other people's lives. Do huh. we want this? Huh. You know, I see this as a reverse Uno. I think uh, there have been a lot of people talking about like the white guy in Japan for a long time. As we just talked about Shogun, I am very interested to see this from a Japanese woman's perspective. Hikari yeah. is born and raised Jap- Japanese, um, and I thought Beef was so well done. Even you know, mm-hmm. back se- behind the scenes casting fuck ups aside, um, I thought the product itself was just like very funny, but subtly so, and just very specific to the experience so i i am i would love to see the white man in japan take from from a japanese person yeah i think i feel like it's a conditional yes um because again like direction from beef very good um love to see what they do next Uh, the concept of like rental boyfriend rental girlfriend rental family is such a wild like real life thing that i love i would love to see that um in um like explored um i just yeah i need to know i need to know if they're in on it right <laughs> you know who they should cast as the the awkward white man is robert pattinson i think he'd be great at it. <laughs> he, he actually would be i think yeah. he, he he's a pretty damn good actor and has a good sense of humor so yeah because what i don't want is just to be another lost in translation right yeah well and that wouldn't be because it was think about who was behind that so um uh <laughs> the white girl widened yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, honestly, just the plot alone sounded way more refreshing and original than any other white man in Asia plot. And there's a reason because an Asian woman thought of it. So, or at least is co-wrote it. So, like, for me, that already just feels like, yes, I want to see this because who knows what sort of different take can possibly get um yeah I'm, i mean i think we need to know a little bit more but right now i'm kind of like uh pretty interested so we'll yeah. see i can track this yeah <laughs> all right um okay so um han give us a last story all right so ending on a fairly high note ish um but the gotham awards uh just happened on monday night um and it's probably one of the men- first of many well i don't know if it's the first but of it's award season right so a lot of people are looking at the winners of these awards to see if you can now say 
will it also win an Oscar? Um, so the top line of this is that Past Lives, um, the movie by Celine Song, um, starring uh, Tao Yu and Greta Lee, and the white guy who we love, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, Arthur. Arthur, whatever. It starts with a J. Um, but uh, so it won the best feature of the night. So it won the big prize. It's equivalent to the uh, best film at the Oscars, but for the Gotham Awards, which is, you know, the New York Awards. Um, a few other Asian wins. Uh, I think Beef did win, you know. So again, the caveat there, knowing what we have to say about that um also interestingly charles melton um for may december uh uh he yeah. plays he plays the younger guy in the may december romance um and he and it was interesting because this is also the I, um a gender neutral acting award so it wasn't best dude and best woman or whatever it it was just out of all the performances this is one that won um so anyway, uh, I think those are kind of some of the biggest ones. That there's some other winners. It's kind of like you can look it up yourself. But those were the the main Asian ones that I remember seeing. Um, and I cannot so- believe that someone from Riverdale might be nominated for an <laughs> Oscar. I love that for us. Yes, yes. I mean, look, Lily Gatstone also won um, for Colors of the Flower Moon and stuff like that. But um, it was... Uh, it. Yeah, so so lead and supporting performances. So she got the supporting, he got the lead. Uh, anyway, do we want this? Yeah, we love past lives. We're we look, are pro is, past lives. Okay, no, I was going <laughs> to say love we, the idea. The of Conf- not <laughs> yeah. mad about it. Uh-huh. It's a fine movie. Not my favorite movie, um, but <laughs> it, I I would love to see like a twenty four campaign for this. Mm-hmm. Um, Greta Lee kills it mm-hmm. in the red carpet side. Um, what I'm very excited for is because Challengers mm-hmm. was delayed because of the actor strike. That's the movie with Zendaya and those two little like mm-hmm. hot white boys. Uh, I mean, both like I mean more like you know like pop culture hot about like that love triangle that's written by her Celine Song's husband. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the other perspective of like. Mm-hmm. A third, you know, having a past love in a marriage. Yes. <laughs> I hope that all times out. So we're talking about challengers, the script he wrote, past lives, and we get to see uh T what was it? T-O? Tell you. Tell you. Tell you be sad on the red carpet. Just just looking sad yeah. on Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Looking sad so that way people want to fix him. I um, mean people oh, do Oh, s- I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> I mean, people do say Oscars are the Super Bowl for people who love film. And the Super Bowl is all about those dramatic storylines, right? Yes. Kelsey yeah, versus Kelsey. Yeah, it would be such a good, it'd be such a good, look at you talking about football, Marvin. As if you, no. <laughs> As if I would yeah. understand. I, it's it's looking good thus far, um, you know, but it's also like, it's, it's about careful management. You can't, you can't overexpose yourself too early in the race. Um, it's also a little weird differently because a lot of things just weren't put out because of the strikes. So it will be interesting. You know what? Might be our time to shine again. <laughs> Another A24 Asian I mean, there project. is some stiff competition, right? We have a Scorsese, we have a Nolan, and we have a Barbie to go against. Barbie is too commercially popular to get play in the Oscars seriously it'll win production awards but you know they don't like to reward anything that makes too much money too popular 
Um, it, it, <laughs> the okay, great irony yes. would be, yeah, we're gonna get like past lives versus like Oppenheimer, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very different in terms of scale, storytelling, and like, ooh, what story are we telling right now? It, 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 the the bizarre thing is like they might want to like, let's say if all goes well, they might want to try to give you know past lives a very good award but then they'll be like but everyone loved barbie and so we can't and so one of those will then get the consolation um uh like best screenplay best screenplay oh yeah best adaptation i mean i guess barbie would be uh no i think that's original you adapt a toy no that's an original script so oppenheimer would be adaptation adaptation but then if you goes against past lives as a script screenplay i'm like that's not fair so i mean I would still it it would be it's going to be interesting how the next few months plays out, because as we saw from um, a movie that we actually all liked, which was everything everywhere all at once, um, in order for a film to have like such long legs throughout several months and then still win is like really difficult. Um, That was a that one was a fairly across the board crowd pleasing movie, though. It was also kind of like a in your face, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I saw that sort of thing. Um, Past Lives is the opposite, you know, yeah. even it, it's a quieter film. It has less actors in it, definitely less costumes um, yeah. and stuff and, like that. And and it doesn't help that both Nolan and Scorsese are known quantities in Hollywood and people that Hollywood loves to reward. Right. Yeah. They so actually don't like to reward Martin Scorsese. So it's probably a. They, um, the, Nolan clears out on technical awards. They for for Killers of the Flower Moon, they'll probably award Lily Gladstone. That's what I'm thinking. Um, and then be like, that's good enough. Um, but uh, here's the thing: like, it's it's still an unknown quantity for me. It really depends on how the award season plays out because a lot of times the discourse is either. Does it stay alive, but also does it shift in any way, um, especially in in the context of real world things happening? So right now, this is still maybe the most un- uncontroversial movie in any way to be up for major awards um, that even if. You know, it's not your favorite movie. It's not the movie that you hate. <laughs> so or or think that might have some problems uh, in one aspect or another. So and it might be the safe movie for certain people to mm. vote for. Um, it's straightforward, at least. So that's the other thing is sometimes. But then who, again, the all the other awards bait is about to come out. <laughs> who knew that the Asian film would be the politically safe pick? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, Poor Things is going to be interesting. Like, I need to hear more about I I haven't read any reviews yet just because I didn't want to. But I want to hear like what the buzz is once it actually opens. Um, Saltburn for me, is just like nice try, you know, good performances, well put together production wise. Like, I think storytelling wise, it just sort of what fell um, in the last act. I got all my screeners, so I'm going to soon be watching Ferrari. Don't expect much. It's Michael Mann, you know. Does someone have sex with a Ferrari? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I do like Michael Mann's storytelling, though. That's what I I think about Michael Mann. It's fine. Like, look, 
I'm one of the few people, apparently I found another friend who also did not like heat. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's Angie Han. Uh, so she is correct. Um, but uh, yeah, so there are also just a lot more films coming out. So it really depends on like also what captures people's attention. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it, too too early to predict now, but it, it, this is a good first step. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep a close eye on award season as it comes. But um, good early showing by uh, past lives. We're happy for that. And with that, that'll do it for Do We Want This uh, for November 2023. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. If you have any thoughts about our thoughts, please let us know on uh, on Twitter. Um, speaking of Twitter, if people want to find <laughs> out more of your thoughts, Jess Han, where can they go? I'm on Just Shoot Tweets on Twitter. Um, and you know what? Special shout out, special shout out to the Twitter account. Is Henry Kissinger dead yet? Because today, as we were recording this, Henry Kissinger is dead. And that account has fulfilled its purpose. And I, I don't know, you know, like when you see, when you see a mission fulfilled, it's like, wow, they really did it. Yeah. They really did it. This this is one of the really big indicators that X may be dying soon because <laughs> Henry Kissinger and this account is now going is dead. Uh, well, they did do a follow up tweet, but um, yeah, uh, I'm still anonymous at all the socials that you can possibly find me. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American host of podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, happy December. Happy holidays. Um, <laughs> I did have one more question. Yeah. Did anyone do their Spotify wrapped? Oh, yes. And it came out just as basic and gay as what, I thought it was. What would. country or city did they say that you your tastes aligned with? I am in Burlington, Vermont. And apparently <laughs> that's one of the three trifecta cities of being gay. Okay. I don't know. Marvin, do, do you do yours? Uh, let me do it right now and I'll let you okay, know. Okay. So, and in the meantime, I will tell you. I also posted this all on my Instagram. So, if you want to check it out. But apparently my tastes aligned with the people in Thailand. So. Oh. <laughs> And my listening style—that's so great. I'm so happy for you. And my listening style is vampire because I like atmospheric and sort of like moody music. Um, there were a lot of other things where I was just laughing the whole time, like looking at this rap because there's not one American English language song on there. Um, uh, the many of the many genres besides K-pop and Thai pop, there's also Japanese teen pop that I listened to. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, Spotify, you had to call me out that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought that was a nice end of year gift for myself. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, so my, my numbers are really low. I don't yeah. know what happened this year. Like, I, it's, it's, it's lower than, like, I think for, it's low for me and I think lower than, like, the average American. Um, mm. it's only like 7,000. I'm like, what the fuck was oh. I? Oh yeah, that's fairly low because I, I don't listen just, a lot. Yeah, and I guess I guess most of, a lot of his pod, I was listening to podcasts on like different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they apps. don't listen. They yeah, yeah. and um, I guess I was. I, I honestly think I was just like too busy having like series of mental breakdowns. You were also <laughs> just you were also just active in life um, because I only listen to Spotify music when I am exercising, 
walking or possibly in the car. But I also didn't start listening. Like you can see a, uh, it's starting around April, which is when I started getting more into K dramas, right? Um, and then uh, picking up in the summer when I also started adding like the Thai dramas too. So uh, yeah, I was missing several months, and okay, um, and I, I don't it. listen. Okay, so Tell my. Us genre or my listening style is shapeshifter because of my eclectic Ooh. taste but i think that's probably because i played my wedding playlist on my phone um so that was like what six hours of random k-pop yes, and pop yes. music um my listening style is um madison wisconsin oh what, what? that's the first madison i've heard yes of. yes i've heard some people uh Pe- People like, there are far more likely to be fans of Bleachers, Death Cab for Cutie, and The Naked <laughs> and Famous, which do line up with my music taste, actually. This is amazing. Oh. Um, so please share any of that information with uh, us elsewhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just thought we I want to end on a note of wrapped. Yeah. <laughs> Happy right. Spotify wrapped day, yes. y'all. <laughs> for all those who celebrate. Right. Sorry to the Apple Music listeners. Or YouTube music? <laughs> mm, I've seen those too. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 